All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's a PGA podcast. It's Tuesday, it's July 7th. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is Chris Durrell. Hello, everybody. All right, yeah, they were getting this uh, also broadcasting live on Sportscaster. I will leave that in the show notes. So if you want to take a look at our lovely mugs, Chris has a much better, more professional looking background than I do set up right now. Much more sports oriented. Mine's kind of just a window for now. So it's not exactly <laughs> uh, bringing a million tons of confidence to the stream game. But for the podcast <laughs> game for PGA, I think we're going to be well on point for the Workday Classic Open, which had previously been the Memorial. Um, so if you are right, is that the, well, it's the uh, same course, right? You're close. So what happened was they canceled the John Deere Classic, which was supposed to be this week. That's due to the COVID-19 thing. Um, Next week is the Memorial at Muirfield, which is the same course as this week. So what they did was they just created a charity event this year, and it's kind of like a test run for Muirfield next week, which was supposed to have fans. No, not any longer, but um, we'll get into the course here in a little bit. So it's not taking over the Memorial. It's just a week before. It's like the first time ever, I believe, that we've had a tournament of the same course two weeks in a row. And just so everyone knows, Chris explained this in perfect detail to me online, and I just chose to just get really confused by it and sort of ignore it and then ask him again uh, live on the podcast. Because this was, if you were to go through our chat. Yeah, no, it's great content. Because if you went through our chat history, Chris said this exact thing. I just am dense and couldn't figure out what he was talking about. Then had to go back and ask again because I got confused again about the John Deere thing. And then he explained to me again yesterday. And then I still got confused by it (laughs) at the beginning of the podcast. So good start on Sportscaster, good start on the podcast, but we are going to break it down. Last week's Rocket Mortgage uh, saw some pretty good results from both of our systems here, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, The DFSR projection system was able to get five through six through the cut line on DraftKings, which was great. Um, and then somehow had what four through six because I got a withdrawal um, uh, after Friday, midway through Friday, we had a withdrawal and still cashed. And so I was feeling really buoyed by that. Your lineups were looking a little different uh, in the end, but still had a lot of success. Walk me through uh, just some thoughts on how last week went. I can talk about a couple guys that I, I, we were sort of like, you know, off chalk with that kind of performed. But how did you th- think, you know, for yourself last week sort of just turned out uh, as a whole? Yeah, first of all, Bryson's an absolute machine. Yeah. Um, we've kind of talked about it for the last few weeks, kind of the whole return that he's just kind of trending towards that win. It's just a matter of once he puts a full, you know, four rounds of, of uh, above average putt in all four rounds, he's going to do it. And he... It was kind of crazy because he, he kind of let them back into the game. He was hitting out of the trees, hit a little bit far on his layup shot, rolled into the water, and was like, uh-oh, he's letting everyone back in. And then he finished with a three-birdie streak on 16-17 yeah. and 18. He also broke shot tracker this weekend in a way. Um, a lot of his drives were getting too close to the green, so close to the green, I mean, that they were actually re- recorded as approach shots as well. So it was... It was kind of crazy, um, but for, for cash games, yeah, I only hit five of six, and it wasn't looking good early. Sabatini just, he fit the model perfectly last week. It couldn't have been, couldn't look better, and he just totally duffed it. I think he only ended up missing the cut by two, oh, no, he was plus four. He missed the cut by a long shot. But I got Hovland, Redmond, Glover, Hubbard, and Duncan. Um, I kind of, kind of went balanced last week on DraftKings, still made it with five of six. Uh, FanDuel was, was a shoe, and I was top ten in all my 100-man uh, with Hovland, DeChambeau, Glover, Varner, Duncan, and Hubbard. So um, a lot, very kind of similar, but on FanDuel, I went a little bit more stars and scrubs, and it worked out great. Yeah, the Munoz was the guy that couldn't get through the cut. Uh, he was pretty bad, and the system likes him again, so we can talk about that because that was always annoying when these guys, <laughs> <laughs> these guys I don't want to call them annoying. But then it didn't. It went a little more uh, stars and scrubs. It went actually went Bryson, Webb Simpson, and uh, Hatton, which I thought, and then and kind of went cheaper with Pat Perez and Lanto Griffin on DraftKings. And uh, and then a Fanduel was very it was pretty similar on Fanduel with with the overall lineup. Um, Munoz didn't get through, uh, and then it had uh, oh Taylor Gooch was uh, who got the withdrawal. I couldn't remember who it was, but it was Taylor Gooch who got the withdrawal. But oh yeah, Bryson just went boss mode, man. Like it was just crazy. Like he there was a there was a couple drives where it looked like he just was trying to swing out of his shoes, like trying to launch himself into the atmosphere because he was just clearly going for it. And even to my sort of layperson golf eyes, it was clear to me what he was even trying to do just from that perspective, it's actually really probably the only reason it was even close was I think it was almost like he was testing the bounds of sort of what was possible for him. And that's what happens when he's just not concerned with these. I mean, Wolf Bogan, like there's a two, there's a two, 
uh, stroke swing on the first hole, basically, with him, with Wolf bogeying and birding. And it was kind of that point, you just kind of knew it was over. And to the point where it was annoying, because I know you and I talked about it late Saturday night, and I was thinking, and by the way, I mean, this is like a few beers in, but the, I was like, <laughs> the only real decision I'm having here is Bryson at plus 200 to win at mm-hmm. three strokes back. And, and at that point, you're really only asking the question, is he plus 200 to be three strokes better than Matt Wolf? Because I, there was a couple of guys that were sort of trailing him, and I guess it was really the only the field that had me concerned. It wasn't the him versus Wolf thing that had me concerned. Yeah. Uh, it was just that the I think a heads up and a plus three. I think you're probably, or excuse me, minus three for Bryson. I think you're probably feeling pretty good at plus two hundred. It was just the trailing guys that were there was a few guys behind him, but we were we hedged back and by hole two I was so annoyed at myself for not yep. remembering it. <laughs> like I was Tilt. even though he wasn't even there yet, I was already just so just lamenting my bad decision that we talked for a long long time about Saturday night and then I just uh, just couldn't pull the trigger. Anyway, he is not in the field this week after cashing over a million dollars last week, so he's free to take the week off. We have a slightly different field this week for the workday. Uh, some good really good golfers that are back in the mix who had not played last week. Uh, some carryovers, but it's, it's it's not a totally new field for sure, but there are a lot of names here that um that were not in last week. So I think we have some interesting yes. stuff to talk about. Uh, as of right now, I do not believe there have been any withdrawals, correct? This is Tuesday. I haven't seen any. At, yeah, Tuesday at 4 p.m. We, we always have to keep on top of this with uh, the COVID testing and whatnot, uh, where, where guys are with withdrawals. But And last week there were a few early. As of right now, we don't have any. That's always subject to change. Uh, and as always, we'll have this stuff updated over at DFSR dot com slash membership that's going to get you access to our chat room chris's sheets are up there uh the projection system is up there as well so if you go to dfsr.com slash membership you can go and check that out all right talk to me a little bit about what we have here in terms of course what we're looking for you always do such a good job of sort of like knowing what skill sets are going to be relevant going into a week last week we saw crazy low scores you know the minus 23 i think is where bryson finished that's just kind of seems to be like we're talking, you know, just you know, you're kind of everyday knock around course when these guys mm-hmm. are just when the scores are just so freaking low. I don't know if you see the same thing sort of happening here this week, but talk to me a little bit what you're looking for uh, in terms of skills that are going to play well here. They might be things that play well everywhere, but uh, yeah, kind of give me a, give me a little course breakdown. For sure, yeah. So it's it's Muirfield Village. Um, like I said, it's usually the memorial played here every year, which it will be played next week, but because John Deere Classic was canceled, um, we have this event here at the same, you know, the same venue, so it's going to kind of be nice from a course history standpoint. We can use Muirfield. The only difference here this year, and I got this from the Golf Channel's Rex Hogard, um, indicating that there were unique setups between the workday and the memorial, so the one thing is there's new tee boxes on three holes, and that's going to add some length, and it also gives them some you know, some play around so that the course isn't going to get worn out because obviously this is a big job on the grounds crew having one PGA Tour event for four days plus the practice rounds on Wednesday. Um, so doing this two weeks in a row is really going to take its toll on the course. So they've put these extra tee boxes in. <clears throat> they've added new fairway bunkers. But for this week, it appears they want it to play a little easier. They're going to try and set it up so the greens are a little bit slower. Um, so that kind of brings more bad putters in, I believe, um, in, in my opinion. They're also going to have the rough cut a little bit lower this week versus next, so it's not going to be as penal. So, I mean, that's good for your bombers who are just going to hit it down their bomb and gouge kind of like Bryson did last week um, because they're hitting it so much further than everyone. They're still, even if they're in the rough, they're they're hitting a 9-iron, 8-iron out of the rough anyway or pitching wedge at, at some point. So I think that's going to be in play. It's going to play a little bit easier. Um, you know, we usually see minus 12 to minus 15 somewhere in there uh, for a winning score here i think like last year cantley was at minus 19 i'm pretty sure we're going to be back in the 20s this year the weather looks absolutely perfect like five mile an hour winds temperatures in the 80s um, like i said it's going to play a little bit easier so i'm looking more towards i guess a birdie fest versus say how the memorial how jack nicholas kind of wants the course to be set up uh to be to you know to play a little bit tougher i think it's going to be a little bit easier this week than next so i'm kind of look, looking at uh, birdie guys so when I'm going to talk about some players later, but there's definitely some guys that stand out in the system and looking especially at, like, course history who have popped here. Um, some of them are good on fast greens. We'll talk about him in a bit. But I might be avoiding those guys at high ownership this week and plan to play them next week, hoping they burn people this week. 
Yeah, so you mentioned him here a second ago, so let's just get him started right away. Here's Patrick Cantley. Cantley did not play last week. He's only played in, I believe, one event since the restart. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about how the discussions that you and I have been having around sort of like how to how to evaluate restart numbers compared to sort of previous, even though we're still in the same season, um, technically, right? So yeah, yeah he's only feels so different. Yeah, Cantley's only played the Travelers. So the how we're sort of like factoring in restart numbers compared to all full season numbers compared to like larger sample size, because there are some guys that have kind of hit this restart ground running um, and just have been awesome. Other guys have really struggled to get started, and it's hard to know sometimes what that means. I will caveat that by saying, as a reminder, the fields to, in, in this have been completely stacked it's kind of getting away a little bit now where we're doing yeah. i mean where you're starting to see a little bit more staggered with the big names uh, in terms of just who's not playing every single week and i think we'll probably continue to see that which makes it more of a haves and have nots we talked about that last week uh i our system was easily on bright as on bryson and webb simpson as kind of clear cut above the field hatton was actually pretty close all things considered i was actually pretty surprised and that ended up which being was awesome but the uh but I do want to get your opinion about that. Let's start with Cantley, though, because we have him the highest in our system. I think that he led your right up. It's not crazy, mm -hmm. though. He is not the favorite here. Justin Thomas right now is the consensus favorite. It's close. Uh, I think he's a plus 100. I, I got to look real quick. Um, no, that's that's, that's On a head-to-head -head matchup? Yeah, no, well, no, just in terms of overall odds to win. Um, I had thought I had, I had, sorry, I had top 20 in front of me. Yeah, now. I haven't updated since yesterday. I haven't. No, yeah, so, yeah, sorry. 12 I said to 1, I got I said plus 100, but I meant plus 1,000. Justin Thomas is a plus 1,000 right now. Cantley and John Rahm are tied at plus 1,400. But both you, mm. your system and sort of our DFSR system both see Cantley as, I think, the favorite here. Talk to me about why, you know, what you kind of liked about him in the write-up. Yeah, I was. I remember we talked about Cantley going into that Travelers, and yeah. I was kind of weird because he hadn't played in so long. The system really loved him. The system nailed it, by the way, on that one. I'm kind of mad I missed him, even though it was only a T11. He he ended up finishing with, um, looking at the weekly, yeah, 103 and a half DK points for over 10x value return at 9800. Um, I'm definitely on him as my number one play this week. I just see Thomas. I I like the upside with Thomas, but he won. Struggled last week, looked really bad. He, I've added putting splits to my sheet, and on courses with Bent and Poa Mix on the green, he has actually lost like more strokes than almost everyone in the field. It's only a 12-round sample size, very small, but it, that's the Travelers times two. Um, I forget the other event right off the top of my, top of my head here, but he's near the bottom over those 12 rounds in losing strokes on that. Cantley has just been a machine um before the break he was extreme like upside high floor high upside the fact that he's not the most expensive guy i really like he nailed every single strokes gain category at the travelers gaining 5.1 strokes putting i was like well maybe that's not repeatable um that's kind of high but looking at his last 15 events he's gained over four strokes putting seven times so he is definitely a really good putter uh, i think it's maybe not gaining five strokes is sustainable but three to five somewhere in there i think he can definitely do so he's definitely number one on my list yeah he's leading he's when you run lineups right he's basically 100 percent ownership in terms of all of our iterations he won Muirfield. And, he won the memorial last year the yeah his course. course history it's kind of like no matter which way you break it down right we've I, we've broken it down i've kind of i've done i think a better job now of sort of factoring in more recent play to be weighted a little yeah. bit more than the long term i think that's mostly correct um i think you can be I think streakiness and just in terms of just general improvement or um, lack of improvement is a real thing or it's enough to kind of take notice of. So I don't think going back three years and assuming someone is the same golfer they were three years ago is correct. Um, right. It's, it's a little hard to pick where the dividing line is, and sometimes you don't want to do that. So I've kind of just figured out a way to factor in not all but more recent play. And Cantley checks that box, but if you go into course history, he's been awesome here, so that checks that box as well. I agree with you that it feels like you're getting something of a bargain, the fact that he's not the odds-on favorite to win here. Uh, so the, the fact that JT's numbers are throwing probably throwing that a little bit in terms of value in your favor, I think there's still room, even at you know plus 1,400 or whatever it is, to kind of throw him as a winner. That's that's basically a consensus odds. you got to kind of check books, and this is a good place to – to kind yeah. of say that it's, it's worth it to kind of shop lines. You don't need to just get sucked into whatever your favorite betting uh, you know, house of so choice is. Yeah, but after him, though, I think we're going to have some disagreement because um, I think you wrote up someone that our system's having a little trouble with, and 
Talk to me about who else you like in this top range, because I think after Cantley, we're, we're, we're probably in locks, we're definitely in lockstep. Who do you like also in this sort of upper tier? I'm pushing that to be the nine, mid nines and higher on DraftKings and let's say like the 10,000 and up range on FanDuel. Yeah, Hovland's the first one that stands out to me. Uh, he's 16th in my model, and that's without considering course history, which he doesn't have any. If I take that out of my model on the sheet, he jumps up to number two right behind Cantley. Um, the reason why he, since the return, and he's played, I believe, all four weeks here. I'm just going to double check on that. I think that's what I wrote up in the article. He's number one in tee to green, number one in approach in this field, fifth in par five. 15th in par 4 scoring, and then something I'm really looking at this week because near 50% of all approach shots, this is like a 55,000 approach shot sample size from Fantasy National, almost 50% approach shots come from 175 to 200 yards and 200 plus yards. So you need long irons here at this course, and he is 7th in the 175 to 200 range and 28th in the 200 plus range. Number one in opportunities gained. So his birdies are better or down. He's only 35th in the field. But the fact that he's number one in opportunities gained right now tells me he's getting a ton of opportunities. Once those put, once those putts start dropping, because he's not the greatest putter, but if he has a good week here putting, I think he can uh, jump and probably win this thing. And I think he's got a high floor, even if he doesn't, because with a shitty putter, he's he's been getting some pretty damn good finishes here. Yeah, um, this is one that's hard because I the sample size on him is only 70 rounds total. This is uh, We've talked about this in terms of what is the real number that you want to start just giving someone full credit for their performance. Um, and I say full credit to mean if you have, I'm just picking a number, if you have 200 rounds, you know, a lot of these guys, some of these golfers that we're talking about here have, uh, I'll say 150, but you, you can got like Joel Dahman's got, we have 219 rounds in the system for him. Keegan Bradley, 219 mm-hmm. rounds. Like I think that you can, uh, I'm just, by the way, I'm just kind of scrolling through numbers here. There's lots of guys that have over 200 that when you look at this number, you say, okay, I can make a pretty good determination based on long-term and sort of current form and make a, a, a nice round guesstimate of sort of where the expectation is. Hovland's 60, 70 rounds is... Not that many, <laughs> and so yeah. I and that's and that is where our system probably struggles the most is to say it's really hesitant to give full credit to a guy who just hasn't, you know, played the same amount of rounds. Now you can be correct on that when it's like Harry Higgs, right? <laughs> and it just like turns yes. out that he wasn't as good as his first seventy rounds, or you can just be like, you know, you could end up being late on Tiger Woods when he's just yeah. awesome right out of the gate. So I'm, I'm not saying Victor Hovland's t- Tiger Woods, but uh, more, more more to say that. You know these sample sizes are not always the same, and I know you. You know you like Mark Hubbard. He's another guy, sixty-one rounds, and I'm like, oh, or it was it you that like Hubbard? Or were you saying that the field yep. kind of liked him? Yeah, no, right. I like him. Again. Yeah, sorry, uh, I, I had him down as my note, and I got confused for a second. But right, so it's like okay, sixty-one and seventy rounds. Um, what's the real number? Well, I'm not. What's the number that we should start really paying attention? With Hovland, I'd probably be willing to say that this is enough. And it still makes me a little worried, and it's why we're still a little we're trailing the field in terms of probably, and we've been, been wrong about it every week, by the way. So it's like it's <laughs> it's one of those things where I'm kind of throwing my hands up and saying it's been wrong to not just give him full credit from the very beginning, sort of. And I'm still, I'm does that make sense? What, like what my hesitancy mm-hmm. is because you've been around golf yeah. a lot longer than I have, and you know that sometimes these guys can come to ten, tend to come and go. Especially if they it all depends the on the player, to be honest. Yeah. Like with me, a player like Hovland, I kind of got him in like the, you know, almost the elite tier of golfers. I think he's definitely going to get there. He's trending that way for sure. Um, he struggled before the break, like in February and March, he had missed three of four cuts. But before that, he hadn't missed any cuts. Um, and just since the return, I just he's really like four straight top 25s and ball striking has just been absolutely elite, like the tee to green game and the only thing that's missing is the putter so that's really what i'm looking at just consistently week after week the only thing that's missing is the putter i think when he gets a gains one stroke in an event putting he's going to be top five and he's you know he's right on the fringe of top 10 as it is right now so i just his price tag came down 500 dollars from last week uh and these guys have had a week off or whatever i don't this field feels a little bit stronger at the top than last week but still having a $500 drop on a player that's ball striking the way he is, I just, I'm definitely going to be locking him in. I could be way wrong. This could be the week that the ball striking comes back, but I just see the more, like we talked about last week, just the more variance in putting, I can see him jump around. And we have seen that at this course as well. 
the one of the least correlated things over the last three years when I was looking, breaking down stats for the field coming into the event was putting. Like, by far it was the least correlated. So, I mean, a lot of guys have just been shitty putters and just had a good week here at this course uh, putting. Uh, Emiliano Grillo is one that stands out. Ben Ann is another one that stands out. They're, they, I don't know how they are in the system, but they've been tremendous here in terms of course history and they just absolutely love the greens but if they're playing slower this week those are the two guys i'm definitely going i'm thinking of fading this week to play next week after they burn everyone this week and that's my game plan yeah i like i said like the, it likes hobbling fine it's tough way. it's like he's right. a top 12 go- overall golfer which in this yeah, group which is still really which good. is great like in this group is great i we actually i mean it's funny actually in terms of just overall projection we have him better than brooks kapka and i think that mm-hmm. if you just look at overall money line odds that would be you'd be saying, well, that's borderline insane. And yeah. just because, well, and I, maybe that's a good time to just talk about Kapka here because he sits out last two weeks uh, with, um, a, he did not test positive, but he was with his, his, his caddy did, correct? Yeah. Um, and so he d- doesn't play the last two weeks. But I, he was a guy that when I looked at it, he, in our system, is actually getting helped really only by the win odds because mm-hmm. the play for him has been, Bad. I don't know another good way to put it. Like he's he was good in the in in his one in his one um, tournament after the restart, which I believe was the, the heritage, yeah, which was the last one. Yeah, he was good, top seven. But then before that, in the Schwab, that's T thirty two, fine. But he's really expensive. You got to remember this. Yep. Uh, Forty seven at Arnold misses the cut at the Honda. Uh, T forty three at, at Genesis uh, is out by the fourth round at the Nine Bridges, and then misses the cut at Triners. This is you know going all the way back to October third. What do we think about him? Because in some ways I sort of get why it's not seeing him as anything close to a value here, and we've seen him be about the best in the world. So um, I'm just wondering if, like, this is the week. Okay, as a comparison, we said this about Ricky Fowler last week. We're like, well, these win odds on Ricky Fowler, like, what is this, insane? And he ended up being awesome, right? So I just don't, I don't know. Are we looking at, at another situation here like that with Kapka where it's reading a little too much into what, a recent the recent sample size is still pretty small. He hasn't played a ton of events, and we know that his long term stuff is as good as anybody in the game. Uh, it feels like you've completely just described the difference between cash game and GPP to me. Uh, right. Completely uh, with Fowler, even last week, a guy that uh, you know he can be bad. Like when you say he's bad, a lot of people might just go <gasps> gasp. Like, what do you mean? Kopka's been your Kepka's been bad, however you want to say his name. Right. The T seven was great, but like you said, T thirty two, T forty seven miscut, T forty three miscut. For a guy at his price tag, which is usually in the ninety five hundred plus range, usually one of the top guys in the field in terms of salary, that is not return of value. But we know he can absolutely dominate. He can, you know, put up twenty five birdies, thirty birdies in a tournament and absolutely crush uh, you know, hundred and twenty plus DK points. That to me just says don't play in cash play in GPP. He's, and I, I will do that this week because I think he may be one of the lower-owned top-tier guys just because of, you know, Cantley and Hovland, I think, are going to take a lot of that ownership. So I think he's a great pivot in GPPs. Yeah, and I and I kind of kind of see see why the number has landed here, and this just ends up becoming one of the problems with golf, is that it just, you can get sucked into recent performance. So if you get sucked into his one great performance, since the restart, then you're like, oh, he's great. He's back, yeah. right? Um, but then how many examples have we had like this where we say, is he back yet? Dustin Johnson, DJ, we talked, we had this for two straight yeah. tournaments, had this conversation about him, um, right? We're still waiting on Jason Day. just never coming back, no. maybe, right? So, like, there's, the, and, you know, we talked about this with Spieth. We talked, it's like everybody mm-hmm. we talked about this with, outside of outside of Bryson, honestly. But even with him, we're like, he's been such a, a, a manimal yeah. <laughs> since coming back that it's, okay, well, maybe we just throw out all the stuff we used to have him when, when he was, you know, 60 pounds less and wasn't just... It's like a total like different person. So I don't know. This, <laughs> right. Okay, so let us let me actually, so along those lines, let me get your opinion on a couple other guys who have not had great restarts, but we're putting up pretty good numbers and might be something of values on DraftKings this week that our system likes and it definitely likes compared to some win odds. It's Gary Woodland and Ryan Palmer, and I know they're not in the same price range, but I think that the stories about them are probably pretty similar in that if we look over the last season or so, the finishes relative to their prices now mm-hmm. look pretty darn good, but it really might ha- it hasn't been all that great you know, recently. Uh, give me any thoughts on either of these two guys, because at least on DraftKings, we're seeing our systems really seeing them as Maybe a couple of the top, and I'll just give a quick rundown on both. So on, on Palmer, he misses the cut of the Travelers, was pretty good at t- top 10 at RBC, misses the cut of Charles Schwab. So he's missed the cut two of the last three. But then if you go back to sort of like January, starting in January, 
20, T21, 4th, 17th, 10th, 12th. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's an awesome, just an awesome run. This guy's in the 7,000 range on DraftKings. And then Woodland is kind of a similar-ish story that um, he's played in, I think, two of these since coming back. Right? Yeah, no, he's played in three. Uh, top 10 at the Charles Schwab, makes the cut, but is bad at RBC, misses at Travelers. But then you go back to the year, you know, the, back to February, T8, T12, T40, T7, T7, 5th, 3rd, mm-hmm. right? So, like, these are these are guys that have just, relative to their price range, have absolutely crushed, but the restarts haven't been all that great. Do you think there is value in these guys this week? I think there's value for, you know, I don't know for cash necessarily. Maybe Palmer at his price tag. You said he's at 7K. Uh, now he's a little bit more. He's 72 on draft. Okay, I think that's definitely doable. Like, even at, uh, you know, 100 points, he's crushing. But I think even at, like, 70 points, something like that, um, you're, you're, that's still around 10x. So I think we can definitely handle that. He he hasn't been as bad statistically as I thought I was going to see. The Charles Schwab, he lost strokes approach around the green and putting, so that was kind of a disaster. The T10, he gained strokes in every strokes gain category, including, like, five and a half ball striking which was awesome to see him come back because he's kind of that ball striking guy he's not usually doesn't have a ton of upside but like top 25s we can count on from him as a um you know a a consistent high floor type guy for cash games for sure and then last week he gained strokes putting he only gained a little bit on the approach didn't lose any off the tee and lost a stroke around the green so i i'm just kind of looking at uh, what his score was how much he missed the cut by i don't think it was it was a whole bunch. Yeah, minus two. I think the cut was minus. Did it get up to minus five? Yeah, so he was three strokes off I the th- cut um, because of a 71 yeah. on Friday. It was kind of disappointing. But definitely, I think the value is there. You could definitely consider him for cash. When it comes to Woodland, I'm more on the GPP side, and it was an equipment change. I wasn't real sure. Um, buddy Eric Patterson on Twitter, that's at EPAT Golf. He works for the score up here in Canada, covers golf. He looked at uh, woodland's recent struggles off the tee and he put a new wilson driver in the bag that's his sponsor at the colonial and since then he's lost 9.2 strokes off the tee um since changing that driver on that first one he lost two and a half and then he lost 4.8 at rbc heritage he only lost 2.2 last week at the traveler so maybe it's trending but I'm, i'm not willing to trust that yet even though i absolutely love that price tag but for gpp he can absolutely crush if he if he gets that driver figured out I'm such a noob because we talked briefly about this. I was like, save the driver thing till we get on the podcast because <laughs> I was like, it's just so good. There's no reason for us to just say it twice because once you mentioned it, I was like, say it again. But I know my first question was, and I just don't even, I was like, well, if he's been so bad, then why doesn't he go back to his old driver? Because that was like my first, that's like my my noobish, un, under, not understanding the the you know, sort of things that go on with golf in terms of uh, you know the equipment and saying, well, if he's been this bad, then just tell them to get him to go yeah, back to the old driver. But you were telling me do. that that's just not... That's just not what happens, though. No. <laughs> that's just uh, these guys just kind of stick with the thing because that's a sponsorship. Is it a sponsorship thing? And they just kind of uh, pushing the new driver on him. Yeah, they want him using the new drivers and stuff. There's a lot of things that go into it. Even some guys are just stubborn and just they want to learn that new driver because they know the technology is there. They've been proven the technology is there to help them, you know, either gain yardage or accuracy or whatever they're looking for draws. Um, not, not a slice, but a fade, um, stuff like that. So performance wise, so it's a combination of things, I think, but sponsorship's definitely one of them that pushes it. All right. So those are two guys that are kind of standing out to me in terms of value, but walk me through some of your other value plays. We can talk about this DraftKings. I I mean, it seems to me like there's some guys that really stand out even in addition to these guys, um, that I, and this is the only thing that makes me a little hesitant about the 10, six price on Cantlay and and definitely the 11, one on DraftKings for Justin Thomas, because I'm seeing a lot of names sub 9,000 here. Mm-hmm. Patrick Reed, 88. Ricky Fowler, 9,000, if you want to believe he's back. Uh, Sanjay M, 8,900, looks really like a nice value. Matt Kuchar at, at 8,500. Like, I'm wondering if people are going to play him, right? These are like, This seems like a lot of sub 9,000 guys, not to mention Hovland, who's just 9,500. But do you, do you find that there are enough of these guys to maybe just go a little more balanced on DraftKings this week and, and possibly just fade some of these you know, five-digit kind of guys that might maybe just are looking a little too expensive. Yeah, I'm. That's kind of what I'm looking at too. It's just that that ten-six price tag for for Cantley. If he was maybe in that eleven k plus range, I'd I'd waver a little more on it. I just I'm really deciding right now if I want to go Cantley Hovland um, or if I want to go down and maybe my more preferred build right now in terms of cash games is Hovland Leishman. Um, Leishman 
obviously hasn't been great since since the re, in the last two terms t58 and a t94 which is a missed cut but he absolutely loves this course he's got top 15s in four of his last five two of them being top fives um so i'm definitely on him at that price tag i i like that even adam hadwin for cash at 8200 stands out he hasn't had the best results here but he has shown some upside t11 back in 2016 here um at the memorial but just i was wrong on him last last week kind of saying he's t40 everyone else has got more upside than him was totally wrong um he ended up with a t4 absolutely crushed his value his price didn't change so that 8200 with his ball striking i'm on board with him going down further one guy that really stands out though and he'll definitely be in my cash lines i'm interested to see where he is in the system because i forgot to ask you offline is joel damon he t68 here last year so he made the cut um in his first trip to the memorial which is going to be a stronger field obviously but since the break he's just he's been tremendous um and really stood out to me he's 11th in strokes gained t degree in this field third in par four scoring seventh in strokes gained approach 14th in birdie or better and that's because he's fourth in opportunities gained. so it's just it all fits for me this week and his price tag this whole return um has been right in that mid 7k range it hasn't really adjusted it's been 7500 or 7700 and he's returned value like every single week he's been 10 10 plus um x value on DraftKings. so i'm definitely on damon yeah, he's uh, he's a really just a very good uh, value play at seventy seven hundred on DraftKings. We have him for eighty seven point nine five DraftKings points. That's um, and just as a note, guys that are have better win odds than him, that he has a better projection than Joaquin Neiman. He has a better projection than who's and he's you know double the win odds at ninety or at nine that plus nine thousand compared to forty five hundred. He's better than Matthew Fe- Matthew Fitzpatrick, who has better win odds. I'm trying to just go down a few more. Uh, eh, maybe that's it. Uh, and I take that by Kevin Streelman. So I'm just kind of Jason Day. I, I'm, I'm using the win odds because sometimes it's a better comparison mm-hmm. even than DraftKings price, which, by the way, all those guys are more expensive than him also. So um, either one maybe are better uh, examples. But, yeah, definitely likes him. It's kind of got him in the – actually, I take that back because he got a little bit of a bump on something that just maybe updated. So he's right below Hadwin, but Hadwin's 500 more on DraftKings. Mm-hmm. He's – He's actually right along the lines with Ian Poulter, and they actually have the same sort of win odds. Those guys are, are kind of tied. I don't know where you th- where you land on Poulter, but in terms of overall value in that 75 to 77 range, there's a group of guys um, that are really all only separated by a decimal point or two. Mm-hmm. It's Mav McNeely, it's uh, Poulter, like I mentioned, and it's Billy Horschel is in there, and then it's Dahman. Um, so uh, I don't know if any of those other guys kind of stand out to you, but yeah, right in there. He's a little bit ahead of – he's behind McNeely, could be a sample size thing, but uh, ahead of all the rest of the guys that I just mentioned. What stands out to me, just kind of looking back um, at the four tournaments since the return with Ian Poulter, you mentioned, and I haven't looked at him at all, and I'm just looking now. He was, His last tournament at the Travelers, he was 7,800 on DraftKings. He's 75 this week. He got 69.5 points on DraftKings, and that was with a T64, so kind of underwhelming, you'd think, right? Uh, if that's his floor – uh, you know, that's 69 and a half, just making the cut, which I think he can definitely do. But if he finishes at the back of the field, he's still got 8.9x value on DraftKings and a pretty terrible finish. So I think there's only upside from there. Somewhere in that T40, you're looking at probably 70 to 80 DraftKings points, possibly, which is going to put you in that 10x plus. So I'm definitely on board with Poulter there in all formats uh, now that I've looked yeah, at Yeah, he's over. got... He's got uh, top 30, which I'm just using as a nice round number so I can give this better. He's got top 30 in five of the last eight tournaments. Yep. Um, Super consistent. And Yeah, and like you said, and he's probably, I mean, like he has, he's absolutely terrible on Saturday at the Travelers, and that's probably, and that one round is actually the thing, I and mean, look, you got to add all the rounds. They all count, yep. so I, I get that part of it. But um, the fact that he, that one round keeps him probably from Top being, 10, top know, 20. Yeah, exactly. So um, there is a bunch of, there are a bunch of these guys on DraftKings that sort of just live in this range, mm-hmm. and, and to the point where actually I, I think sometimes it's actually hard to choose between them because um, it's really at this point, on that list that I just mentioned of these like sub, and I know we're kind of skipping around a little bit here, but this sub 8,000 group, it's kind of just like how you want to slice it in terms of what's the stat that you prefer, yeah. right? Like I know you, lo- you there's certain stats that you, you prefer uh, that are going to be weighted differently than what our like system just looks on a round-to-round basis. And I think at that point, you're really not making all that wrong of a decision with anybody in here because it's just kind of like what you think 
Does that make sense? I hate to cop totally. out on the answer no. here, but uh, but but it's but it's it's really just it comes down to oh you know you were going to value putting this week then that's going to be your thing. You're, Form you're over course approach. history, <laughs> approach right. versus yeah, off exactly. the tee. So, There's so yeah, many different and, variables. Right, and I think that and and this is where I kind of like not getting sucked into general ownership stuff because I think that that can be just at the whim of what maybe some even just bigger outfits have just touted as being the thing to look for that week. Yeah. Which, by the way, can be correct. It's not It's not so much that these things are wrong. It's just that golf in the old, this thing is actually a game of inches. There's there's so many different ways to slice it that I think sometimes we you can get, I mean, I was going to make all these golf puns, like slice it, <laughs> get caught in the rough. Um, you know, like you can mess up with your approach. Golf lends itself to a thousand different ways to spin a we're on a, we're on a stream a now. We're bringing out the big guns. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So I, I've kind of been throwing out a ton of names, but a little bit uh, just kind of just hodgepodge through this. I got one more um, but, for you. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, he's gonna have high ownership, so I started looking into him. Like he's top ten in tags on FanShare right now. Um, is Cameron Champ since the return? We you know they fit him in the field late at the Travelers, but he's finished. Where are we here? T14 and T12 in the two events since the return. Uh, and he's not been that great on approach. It's mostly been off the tee and a little bit of putting. He's going to see ownership. He's probably going to be in cash games. I would assume top 10 in ownership, it looks like, possibly. Um, I know his odds are a lot higher than a lot of guys in this range, including Damon, who I talked about. Uh, the only one in this range of below, let's say, 7,700, 7,800 where he's at, that are, are Scheffler at 71, Jason Day is 71, Cameron Champs 76 right now to 1. And everyone below him, there's no one below him with better odds. Um, what is the system So you know what's funny? I, I purposely left him out. He was in this group that I just mentioned with Poulter, McNeely, Horschel, and I left him out because he was the one guy of this group that I hadn't looked at that closely, so I didn't want to say it because I wasn't sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I just, it's not that I haven't looked at all the numbers. The all the numbers are just the, are the same for everybody. They get all factored the same, but he was just one I hadn't kind of looked more closely at. So I, I skipped over his name when I was saying that list, but he's with them. He's actually, we have him higher projected than Domin, than Poulter. Like okay, he's at 89.03 at, at 7,700 um, and, is, and is one of the very best value plays that we see on DraftKings right now. So um, the only reason I, I probably should, you know, didn't do my due diligence on that by, by sort of not checking the all the reasons behind it but that was why i left his name off the list but definitely uh definitely a guy that is showing up probably pretty close to cash games and at that point it's really only what, for our system like what you think of maverick mcneely right uh, actually let me get your opinion on maverick mcneely real quick he's a guy that's our system has liked the last few weeks um it was he was pretty darn good last week uh it's been sort of you know it's not hasn't been necessarily hit or miss but it's been one of those guys that were we're like well at what point do we need to kind of figure out the sample size here but every week goes by and we get a little bit more of a sample size he's made the cut in all three of his events since coming back rocket rbc and charles schwab and the only reason we've kind of with a, by the way a top 10 last week at the rocket mm-hmm. um he was a guy that our system liked from the beginning but I, again i was hesitant because i'm like well we don't have enough rounds now we probably do have enough rounds is it time to just start talking about him as a consistent value each week because the system liked him before the break and he's been he's done nothing. He's only improved yeah. <laughs> since since uh, they came back for the restart. Is it time to just kind of believe in Maverick Vanilli as a guy that you can maybe just consistently play in cash at these prices? And he's a he's a tremendous putter, and that that right there alone, he's putting even better than his averages per round. Like his last five, he's gaining two point four strokes per round. His last thirty two, which I think is kind of like his max rounds, he's only gaining one point three over the long term. So he's about a stroke better right now, but still, he's a, he's a tremendous elite putter on tour. That right there uh, will usually get you like an 80% plus cut rate um, on any given season, just being an elite putter alone. But seeing that his worst event here was the RBC Heritage, and that was a T58, he'd lost over four strokes on approach. He turned that around last week, gained one and a half strokes on approach, and then obviously had an amazing putter, gaining six and a half, finished with the T10. He's even got the upside. So he's a high floor for me, uh, cash game play, as well as a GPP play when, when he gets those irons going um, to f- kind of go with that putting. You get the irons and the putting going together, you're going to get opportunities. You're going to sink birdies. You're going to be on the leaderboard come Sunday. So he's definitely Yeah, I there. think... I think I'm willing to just like maybe just start believing. I've been, it's been, again, I'm always hesitant with the guys that we just don't have tons and tons of rounds on, but um, everyone that goes by where he sort of proves it uh, feels, it does, I gotta, it just, it just feels better and better. And I, yep. um, he was a guy that was kind of, was coming in there around, in and around cash games last week. And I think I actually ended up 
uh, removing him because I was concerned with it, and then he just you know and the price went down. Me. And reward and rewarded me by just finishing t- uh, tie for eighth. <laughs> so uh, talk to me about you got some c- pretty good value targets. I think here you make some mentions about guys who could be lower owned uh, in terms of and just kind of coming in on the cheaper side. Uh, who do you like maybe in the in the sort of the lower tiers here? Yeah, a couple guys I wrote up were uh, Hudson Swafford at sixty six hundred. Just seems like a really good value to me. I'm just going to bring up his stats here, but uh, um, just give me two seconds here. I had this up, and I just clicked off of it for some reason. He's 20th in strokes gained tee to green in this field since the return. Uh, he's, he's played two events. He missed the cut at the Travelers, but he rebounded big time at the Rocket Mortgage. It was only a tee 30, but he gained almost six strokes on approach. He was excellent around the green. The off the tee was a little wayward, but I'm not that not too big of a concern, especially this week with the rough being, like I said, a little bit lower. Plus, the field last year hit over 65% fairways, so it's not that big a deal like to be complete, you know, a little bit inaccurate, so I'm not really concerned there. Just the price tag. He's a, he's a player that I would definitely even consider in cash games. And then Richie Wierenski as well. Um, he's another player I'd probably consider in cash games. T58, T46, T21. So his finishes are trending up and up each week since the return. Um, he struggled on the par fours and been very up and down in the approach shot, but he's absolutely crushed the par five. So I think he can take advantage of that this week. Definitely make the cut, but at 6,800, I think he's, there's a lot of upside at that number as well. I had a lot of Rich Grinsky and GPP last week, especially for FanDuel, and I didn't love seeing it until I saw the finish. Um, yeah. Some of the like, again, I was Sebastian Munoz out of most GPP finishes, um, just because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> him missing the, um, and he's he's sneaking. He had up, ownership too. Yeah, I mean, he's he's just he's look, he's hit or miss. If you look at the yeah. numbers, you don't even need to like understand golf really to see that when he's on it, he's on it, and when he's bad, he's uh, he's just absolutely terrible. And that's going to be a real hard. If you can just run two of those together, you're going to miss the cut a lot, and that's just sort of what happens with him, right? Uh, if if it all works out, look, you can say this about any golfer. Anyone can put them together four rounds of really good golf and and you know just kind of come out of nowhere. Like Will, shout out to Will Gordon two weeks ago, right? Like yeah. you just sometimes sometimes you just put it all together for a once in a lifetime opportunity four days. on the tour. Four days, right? Of so great golf. <laughs> exactly. So, but he's kind of does have a standard deviation that kind of makes you makes you cringe a little bit when he shows yes. up in the cash games. I will say that I just reran. Um, the our our lineups and just to, and some of these guys that have been made me feel a little uncomfortable in terms of running out there in cash games right now one of the top DraftKings lineups when I when I lock Cantley because uh, DraftKings requires you to do this to lock or exclude somebody in terms of their condition so I lock Cantley and I just uh, I excluded a couple of the more expensive guys like John Rahm and Brooks Kapka and guys that like weren't Ooh, um, look at that lineup gonna, what's that I'm looking at that lineup right now with you. Yeah, so it's got the, these names that we just mentioned. Cam Champ is in there. Uh, Maverick McNeely is in there. Ricky Fowler, uh, back from the dead, is in there. Patrick Reed at 8,800, which seems like decent. And then Carlos Ortiz. Um, give me your thoughts on yeah. Carlos Ortiz, because he's a guy that I talked to you a little bit online you know, before the podcast, and he kind of was reminding me of Sebastian Munoz in that the results recently have not been all that great when he can kind of put it together it looks really good but when it's bad it goes really bad but yes. I, I sort of get why our system is liking him because it's looking at t16 t26 t25 and a, a second a fourth if we're going back into the in another fourth if we're going way back into september but it's been pretty grisly for him uh, missing two of the three cuts since returning and I just feel like I'm in the, sort of the same situation I was last week where I just desperately want to X this guy, but I also want to trust the numbers too because they've been corrected about a lot of these guys too. So uh, where do you stand on a guy like Carlos Ortiz? Yeah, that's where I am too. Like long-term on the sheet, he's 41st overall, which is pretty good for a guy in the $6,400 on DraftKings. He's 29th on the sheet in um, strokes gain tee to green, 12th around the green. He's 22nd in birdie or better percentage. And this... By the way, this is 95% weighted on 2019-20 season stats and 5% on last season, just to get a little bit uh, sample size in there as well. Mm-hmm. So long-term, it's absolutely amazing. Recently, not so much. Um, he's kind of been off off the tee, and that's he's normally a pretty good ball striker, which, like I said, but he's lost strokes off the tee every event. That is six straight going back to the Genesis in February. 
he's still been very good on the approach, but you can really, that's when the, the, the finishes, the missed cuts really started coming. You start looking at the results side by side with the strokes gain stuff that I'm using fantasy national here over the last few. And soon as that off the tee game went away, but the approach game stayed, it has been just horrendous for him. So it all comes down to that. I'm going to dig in a little more and see, you know, what's maybe causing it. Did he have an equipment change, something like that. But the price tag um, is definitely there. So I understand why, the system would be on him too because my my sheet is even on him looking at uh long term but ultimately i'm probably going to be away for cash just simply because he has also not had any success here at mirfield either uh whether that be the fast greens maybe the slow greens will help him a bit this week if they're going to do that maybe he's a player we should be playing this week and maybe not next week um if you want to go at that angle but uh personally i don't think i'm going to have him this week i'm i have a different lineup um when i i guess i didn't x any other top guys i just xed a bottom guy like a basement feeding price guy and then i locked cantley and i got justin thomas cantley mcneely xander shoffley bud collie and carlos ortiz i love that for gpp there's so much upside in that lineup being able to get xander cantley and thomas yeah that's um Oh, I think I think you're looking at FanDuel when you did that. But um, I that's am the fan. looking at FanDuel. That, it's okay because <laughs> they, the, but it's okay because the uh, the the sentiment remains the same because what we've seen on FanDuel with our system is it does tend to trend a little more toward these Stars like three of these ve- the highest price guys, right? Yeah. Like they did it did the same thing last week. No, it was totally off the chalk except for Bryson. Um, and I'm sort of okay with it because uh, I think that the, sometimes there's just not enough. There's not enough credit given to these guys that are clearly heads and toes, heads and heads and toes. Like I'm just thinking head, toes, head, shoulders, knees and toes. Like I'm sitting with my kid. Yeah, heads and head and shoulders, uh, hot, better than the rest. Now I don't know if that's as much of the case this week uh, with these guys. So I'm just not sure if it's 100% correct. And I still, I, I'm a fan of that lineup. I probably would like to see it trend a little bit more into this 10,000 range. But like, there's just not enough of a spread between guys. Like like Thomas is 12,000. And Victor Hovland, let's say, is 10-9. That's just not the same difference when you look at uh, over at DraftKings where uh, Thomas is 11-1 and then Hovland is, you know, 9,500. There's just, there's just, and and the the dollars count a little bit more on DraftKings than they do on FanDuel because it's like just a little easier to get guys in. So um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of split, but I do like that. I do like sort of, especially with golf, that we see ways to get value among different guys on different sites. I think that's correct to want to do that. I think that trying to play the exact same lineups on both sites is just always going to be incorrect. And I think it's specifically incorrect on for PGA because um, I think there's just simply still too much variance around some of these middle tier guys that it's just okay to be a little different based on where the price, does that make sense where the pricing differences when you can really take advantage of the pricing differences. Yeah, definitely um, agree with you there. I wanted, I had one more question for you. Where Hen- Henrik Norlander fell in your sheet? Because that's another guy that's going to be super chalk in this mid six k range. Cause yeah, well, after I read your article, I looked at him. Um, it's just not going to get there on him. I, I didn't don't think, think so. Um, it's he's super cheap on DraftKings, so I get it. He's actually in terms of. Um, you know, I take that back. Uh, he's got a 12.53 points per dollar value on DraftKings, which actually is among the best. I think the problem is that the raw points don't totally get there, and you don't need to go this cheap. I will say, um, if it's like a if it's a Norlander versus Carlos Ortiz thing, which is like because the, they're around the same price, <laughs> this is going to be a tough one because if Norlander is going to be chalky and Ortiz and no one's going to play Ortiz, which is probably going to be the case, like this is this could be a real tough one to look at. Come even Friday, right? Because yeah. he's a, if, if his tags are high on fan share and he's going to be a pretty chalky dude and no one's going to play Ortiz. So I'm not kidding myself. On yeah. This they're one. 23 but, to five right now in terms of tag difference, Norlander to, or to Ortiz, which is crazy. I almost yeah, like it's just Ortiz. not going to, his projection is not going to get there and I'm okay with it. And it will be one of those ones that it's going to make me nervous. Um, when I, if I see ownership at like 40% and you know, Ortiz is at five, um, I'm going to be feeling very nervous about that, but I will, but in terms of just overall value, he's a, a he's a very, very good value. He's a value above and beyond what his win odds are. The it's way he's just, playing right now, for sure. Yeah, it's just that it's just that I, I'm actually just worried that it's a strictly a one to one thing with him and Ortiz, and that's something I'll probably look at um, as we get a little closer. I, I that's, think good. That's one thing when I'm looking at ownership, I pay way more attention to those chalk guys that are in the value range. Like they're that price for a reason because they're not consistent long term. 
Um, these are the guys that I would rather fade the chalk. I don't think you have to fade like Cantley chalk or Hovland chalk. These are elite players, and I know elite players miss the cut sometimes. They're going to make the cut and get top 10s and wins more than your value guys, though. So I'm not so concerned with, say, a 20 to 30% guy in cash if it's if it's the guys that I just mentioned. But when it's Henrik Norlander, who could be, oh, I think my kind of prediction is 25 to 30 to 40, up, upwards of 40% in cash games, I'm willing to make that fade just because the long-term numbers tell me that this is not sustainable. He's second in tee to green in the field since the return. But the problem for me with that is it's all short approaches because his long proximity from 175 to 200 and 200 plus is ranked 77th and 103rd in the field. So what does that tell you when his strokes gained approach is ranked second, but the long irons are ranked outside top 75. So I think he's going to come back down to earth this week. I hope he misses the cut because I think I'm on full fade mode now that I've checked out, you know, kind of those ownership projections. Like that's a big gap. Five times, five times as many tags. And that could just be like a simple challenge play. And I think at that mm-hmm. point too, like if you're running lots of cash lineups, I think in sports that are high variance like this, because there's such a high variance around not making that cut. I, it's, yep. I, I can't even, it's like, it's so hard to explain to people. It's even so hard as I'm getting started into doing this more. It's not the end of the world. You can definitely, like I just told, we told you at the beginning, five out of six on DraftKings was fine, right? Four out yep. of six on FanDuel was fine. Like you can, yeah. it can happen, but you need chalk guys to bomb. Like you need like, like a Rory Sabatini, frankly, who has really high ownership to miss. Like you need something else to happen along in there with it so it's not always a one-to-one so like no. if a, so I, I at that point I guess what I'm saying is I think at that point it's fine to sort of hedge into your hedge into ownership uh, on a guy who maybe is projected a little lower because it's unlikely to kill you in the way an Ortiz can like like if for cash and I think at that point this is why ownership matters. I hate to like do a, a, a we can do a whole podcast about why and when their variance matters. is the same. Getting a guy at over half or you know half as as much ownership makes total sense when they're when their upside and their floor like long term is so similar. That's what I mean, and so and yeah. that's where I think that like I'm I, I'm almost like I'm glad that I'm coming at this new because I'm not just gonna. It's hard for me to be swayed by this. Um, right. Even though, but but having these guys come into it makes it so that I really want to take uh, really close looks at this stuff. Anyway, we should get out of here. We're gonna we're gonna run long. I can talk golf with you all day, buddy. I never thought I'd be able to yes. talk golf all day with you, but I feel like I can now. <laughs> all right, dfsr.com is the site. dfsr.com/slash/membership or dfsr.com/slash/deals will get you started on a premium membership that includes the PGA Optimizer and Chris's uh, PGA Sheets as well on Chris's Corner. You can also just check out his Patreon if you just want to go that route just for his sheets. Uh, Patreon.com slash Jaegerbombs is going to get you started there. I'll have the links for both in the show notes so you can click on either one. Uh, either way, that supports the DFSR, Chris Durrell community, uh, Doug Norrie community. It's all one community at this point. So we all, um, rising tide raises all ships around here. So no problem with what you want to do uh, in terms Love over of purchases. Hate. Yeah, buddy. It's, a, it all, it's all good. Um, and go check that out on Sportscaster as well. If you're just checking out the podcast, we'll have I'll have the link for that as well, and I'll drop the video and the podcast and the Chris's article. All the links will be there in the show notes. Buddy, enjoy this week's Workday Charity Open, and then the very same course next week, which we'll talk about. We'll, we can spend less time on the course next week when we just do the same exact thing all over again and have all the same plays. Damn right. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Cheers, everyone.